North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bags full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Ballot 1118-1120. Exclusions apply. See stores for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. Thanks again for tuning into another show. And uh, I'm excited for tonight's topic. I think this is something that uh, is going to be a pretty popular topic. I've been uh, talking about it today in the office with the girls working here and the other doctor, and they're they're excited. They're kind of giving their own little tidbits of questions and things that we think we should be bringing up. So tonight is all about a healthy sex drive how to optimize your sex drive, kind of getting a little bit more into like the mind-body aspect of it, the mindset of it. I think it's more than just estrogen and testosterone, and we'll talk about that stuff too, but I think, uh, you know, it's a lot more to it. So looking forward to this tonight and getting into this with Dr. Diana Hoppy. She's my guest tonight. Uh, before I give a little bit more of her bio, I just want to give you a few announcements. Uh, for one, super important, I'm on Instagram now. <laughs> It's not that important, but it's fun. I've been fun. It's been really fun just chronicling my life a little bit, putting on like, you know, meals I'm eating, what I'm doing throughout the day. And so follow me there, Healthy Low at uh, Instagram. And uh, a really great event that's coming up on May 15th is the Vibrantly You. It is a women's health event. And Dr. Diana Hoppy, the guest on tonight's show, and myself are going to be giving a lecture on women's health. She's going to be talking about how to achieve optimal health. And I'm going to be talking about nutrient deficiencies for women. This is local in San Diego. So to learn more about that, visit vibrantly-u.com. So vibrantly-u.com. And that's on May 15th at 4.30 to 8 o'clock. So check that out. I'm sure we'll be talking, talking about that a little bit more tonight. And then mark your calendars. Next week's show, Jordan and Steve from SCD Lifestyle. We're going to have them on the show to talk about how to heal your gut using natural treatments. If you have leaky gut or suspect that, um, you got to heal the gut. It's where it's at. It's so important for the rest of your body's health to heal that. So we will be talking all about how to do that naturally next week. So let's get to the show. So Dr. Diana Hoppy, she is a leading physician in obstetrics and gynecology. She's a clinical researcher and the founder of the Vibrantly You Women's Wellbeing Symposium. She also serves as medical director for Aesthetically Pleasing Medical Spa in Encinitas, California, specializing in bioidentical hormone therapy. She's recognized by San Diego's top doctors in OBGYN in October 2005, and she's known for the individualized attention and care she gives her patients. And I can say from my own personal experience that she's wonderful. I saw her myself, so she's actually my, my doctor for women's health. And uh, she wrote a great book, Healthy Sex Drive, Healthy You, and it's all about understanding your body, your brain, and the processes that govern sexuality, as well as those that create a reluctance to enjoy intimacy. So, so excited to have you on the show, Dr. Hoppy. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Thank you. A wonderful introduction. I really appreciate that, Dr. Lauren. Yeah, thanks. It's great to have you on. I know we've gotten the chance to chat and have lunch and cool to have you on the airwaves and even though you're super close we're actually on the phone so <laughs> yeah so um how are you doing i know we got to see you briefly earlier today how's your day been yeah it's been pretty busy i've been i actually dropped off the vibrantly you uh, flyers to your office so that you'd have some yeah. and i've just been really trying to get together for that event because i really think it's going to be a phenomenal event for women and we're really mm-hmm. hoping to have about 150 to 200 women there at the ranch santa fe garden club 
That's so really cool. I'm really I, I never even said the place. It. Thanks for saying that. I never even said the location. So Rancho oh, Santa Fe Garden Club. Yeah. <laughs> we cover each other. Uh, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So how many of these events have happened so far? So this is the second annual one. I actually had a previous date for this, but um, we just didn't have enough interest at that time. So sometimes it's the mm-hmm. timing and the location. As we know, it's lots of things that we try to do. Sometimes the date doesn't work right or the location's not perfect. So I really think I've nailed, on, nailed it on the head and with this one. Mm -hmm. I made it on a Thursday afternoon, early evening, so that working women can maybe get off work a little earlier, moms who are picking up the kids maybe can have someone else pick them up, and so they can really make it a night for them, uh, you know, a ladies' night out, but also an education. So we're going to have some nice wine and appetizers as well as really cover lots of things, like you mentioned, adrenal fatigue, um, food as medicine, vitamin deficiencies, and I'll really focus on putting yourself first since most Mm -hmm. women don't do that. (laughs) So that's my goal. Hugely important, especially on the topic of libido. So really cool. I'm excited to jump into this. And, you know, with all of my guests that come on the show, I like to get a little bit more personal and kind of learn a little bit more about you. So, you know, tell us a little bit of your story. What has you interested in women's health and what kind of took you down this path? Yeah, it's interesting. I first wanted to be a vet when I was growing up, a veterinarian, because I love animals. I truly do. And then I just realized I really couldn't see animals go through pain. <laughs> no, it sounds horrible, yeah. but I really have this um, compassion for them, and I just felt like, you know what, that may not be the best for me. And while I was at UC Berkeley undergrad, I worked at the women's um, hospital there called Cowell Hospital, and I was a contraceptive counselor. So I actually helped counsel women about birth control and such. And I uh, followed uh, the nurse practitioners around when they did their exams, and it was really fun. And I was taking this reproductive physiology class, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, women's health might be a really good thing. And at that time, there weren't that many women who were OBGYNs. So it actually was a great opportunity. And then I went to UCSD for medical school, and then I went to UCSD for um, OBGYN residency, which was wonderful. Absolutely, I love San Diego. And I also did something called locum tenens, so I traveled around the country for a year after I finished my residency, so I could kind of get an idea of of how is healthcare in other states, and you know, a little different from California. I went over to uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. I went to Vermont, Newport, Vermont. I went to Winona, Minnesota, (laughs) and then up in Salinas, Northern California. So that was really fun to to travel. And then I came back to San Diego just because I just love I just love the weather and the people and everything about San Diego. Yeah, and you get to practice in a beautiful place and your oh, office is, yeah. you know, not the typical gynecologist office. It's not scary and doesn't make you want to run. <laughs> it's, you know, very welcoming. And, yeah, so, um, and how long have you been having your, your private practice now? Yeah, thank you for saying that about the office because I really try to create that kind of culture of like a haven for, for healing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, this practice on my own since 2011, beginning of 2011. Prior to that, I had made a group called Pacific Coast Women's Health, and that was actually turned into a pretty big group with four physicians, two nurse practitioners, ultrasound tech, et cetera. And um, I just realized that the insurance companies just were causing us a lot of strife in the sense of reimbursement, and I couldn't mm-hmm. take time with my patients, and it just wasn't making the... The, what I wanted to achieve with my patients, and I would think what patients really wanted. So now in my practice, I can actually do wellness plans. I can formulate what's going to be the best to do for the next few months and what's our strategy. And we work together. So it's not like I just hand you a prescription and say, okay, you're out. You're done. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot more than the pap smear when I, when I see a mm-hmm. patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this might be TMI to the listeners, but I've seen you for an exam myself, and, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was sort of the wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, in and out, and, 
piece out. It was, you know, we got to sit and talk and get to know each other better. And um, so I think that's really important, especially with women's health. So it's, it's great. I, I love what you're doing. And, um, yeah, it's it's wonderful. If anyone can come and see you, I think it's worth the trip. So, um, Thank but you. yeah, so on, on to the topic, you know, you – this book is great because I, I love how it brings in so much more regarding sex drive than just, okay, you need to have your testosterone checked or whatever. And exactly. of course it's very important and there's a lot to it, but it takes into account, you know, everything. So what kind of got you into like wanting to write this book? Was it that you felt like you were answering the same questions a lot and felt like you needed to write it down or? <laughs> yeah, actually it, it was, but it had to do with, I was, um, I was doing clinical trials at the time in my office. Mm-hmm. And so one of the clinical trials was looking at a, drug for decreased libido in women. So it's looking at something called hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Long word, which means basically decreased desire for women. They really don't want to have sex, and you've ruled out other issues that may have caused that. And so I was interviewing women for this study, and I just started realizing how many women really did not have much of a drive. Some didn't seem to care that much, which, you know, that can happen too. Then that some were really concerned about it, and then we, we the medication that was on trial really um, was interesting, and it helped work on the brain, the serotonin uh, levels. It was what the um, agonist-antagonist, so it worked on the brain, which is, we know, the female organ for sexual desire. And yeah. it's a funny story. I had, I had one patient come in, and I asked her about her sex drive, and she says, you know, if Brad Pitt were to walk into the room, I would ask him to babysit. <laughs> And that and that really shocked me because I'm thinking, wow, this woman. I mean, no, most women would go a little bit gaga over Brad Pitt or George Clooney or whoever your favorite would be, but she really was just burnt out. She was tired. She was stressed. There are a lot of issues, and that's that's where I decided to write the book because I went to Barnes and Noble and and bookstores, and I really didn't see much on this topic that dealt with what are the factors that go into making up a woman's libido. I mean, there's a lot of books about, you know, the Kama Sutra and different positions and X, Y, Z, but I didn't see anything that really looked at, okay, what about desire in women? And no one's really looked at that. So I felt that there was a, an empty space for that, and I really wanted to fill it with this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we've, I know we've done a lecture a while ago um, at my previous office, and right. it was uh, one of the slides you put up, it was so funny, is just looking at the male and then the female brain, you know, how the male brain, it's like an on and off switch. And the female brain, it's like all these belts and whistles and, you know, levers and pulleys. And and it's true. It really is true. I mean, you know, it's a little simplistic. I'm sure men are a little more complicated than that. But it is pretty true. So, and you talk about this in your book. So tell us a little bit of the difference with the male and the female brain and how it kind of affects, you know, sexuality. Right. Basically, it really helps us understand each other better, too, because like men, some women are saying, God, you know, all he thinks about is sex, you know, and it, right. it is he does think more about sex than you, than a woman does, and that's because his testosterone levels are about, you know, 50 to 100 times higher than yours, than, you know, a woman's. But it also has to do with the brain development. So when, like, the baby is being, um, the fetus is, is being developed in the, in the mother's womb, basically the hormones that are basically affecting the brain are much different for a male than it is for a female. We're both exposed to estrogen and testosterone, but the male much more to testosterone and the female to estrogen. And this then causes differences in the brain development and brain function. So this was really interesting. I love this chapter when I wrote it because I really love the kind of physiology behind it and then also how, you know, within that there's also some variation. But in general, men are going to have a much stronger desire. They're going to be much more focused, whereas women are more distracted when it comes to sex. (laughs) You know, I think it was funny because whenever I mentioned that, women are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and part of that has to do with part of the brain called the corpus callosum. And that's the bridge that is between the two hemispheres, the left and right hemisphere of the brain. And for women with estrogen in utero, so while they're developing as a fetus, that bridge actually is wider than a man's. So that's why women can actually multitask or go from left brain to right brain much faster than most men can. So, you know, like when you're out with your friends and let's say you're having a glass of wine and you're talking and you can switch from topic to topic and then you go right back oh, to what the initial right. topic was. <laughs> and, and most men by that time would have a headache and just say, okay, glazed over eyes and said, okay, I, I can't do this. Yeah, that's why they just try to watch the game while we're all talking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so there are definitely brain differences and that also makes a difference with regard to desire, drive. And like, as I said, I think women... Because we're more easily distracted, um, it's hard for us sometimes to focus when we're actually present with our partner. And so it's kind of like it takes almost um, a meditation, but a real mindfulness to it to say, okay, and now I'm actually here, this is what I'm doing, rather than, okay, the kids need to go to soccer at 6 o'clock, we need to pick up the lunch for them, we need to drive to the XYZ. You know, because I think we have so much on our plates that sometimes we take that into the bedroom and it's like, okay, just get it over with just because I need to move on to my next task, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it at the door. And it's like the same kind of concept. You're you're eating an orange, you know. There's, this, you know, exercises in mindful eating of that you look at the orange, you notice the color, you notice the, the skin, the texture of it, then you peel the orange, you smell the orange, you know, you're noticing all the different details about it, you're tasting it. And, you you know, having that, that presence, and it, you, it's amazing how – the orange is so much better tasting when you do that versus just I'm just eating an orange and swallow and run and, you know, do the next thing i got to do. So, it's a, you know, I think just a great example of the same kind of thing that happens with sex. Oh, absolutely. It's the same concept. It's really like being, as you said, being present or not and really, because you can eat a meal, watch TV, doing five other things, and you're really not eating that meal. You're really mm-hmm. just chewing and swallowing and not really uh, being um, grateful about what you're eating. You know, and yeah. saying, God, this is a really good orange. This is like, uh, this is picked by a farmer. It was grown in the sunshine. You know, I mean, just to say what all work went to get this orange to your plate, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, uh, just an orange, just go, just, yeah. And I think that's how many of us live our lives. It's just like on this autopilot. And, and part of the reason I wanted to write the book was to say, you know, stop. When it also I needed to, because I, I also can run an autopilot. I'm really trying to get more mindful. But yeah. it's, it's to say, you know, let's stop and take a look at our lives and what, what is working, what's not working as well as we might like, and, and then how can we make changes to get to the most fulfilling life we can achieve. Amen to that. I think one of the biggest things that really affects women regarding sex drive is body image. You know, we have all these images of the media, we things we see on TV, all the different magazine, you know, the photos of the women that are photoshopped anyway, they don't even look like that. Mm-hmm. So we get this just ingrained in our brain that we're supposed to look like this. And then, you know, when the clothes come off, we look down, we don't look anything like that, and then the sex drive goes away, right, because we don't feel sexy. So um, what can we do about that? You know, you address it in your book, but what's, what can we do? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I saw a patient today who was saying that her libido was low and she's not really happy with her body image. Now, this woman was a beautiful woman who was not, in my opinion, overweight at all. But yeah. in her mind, she said, I need to lose seven pounds and then I'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, I see it all the time. Right. right? And it's kind of like, okay, and, and it's because you see yourself in the mirror as a different person than what your body actually is and what your partner sees you as. Because most, mm-hmm. most men are very happy with... <laughs> With your bodies, with with a woman's body. I mean, in, in yeah. general, like they're they're not going to be less, much less critical than the woman herself will be of her body. 
Mm-hmm. So I think some of it is just um, communicating with your partner. But then it's also saying, you know, if I don't feel that great about my body, then how can I get it more toned or what, maybe I go exercise or eat better? Because sometimes we do kind of feel a little more uh, uh, bloated and just kind of out of shape. And so sometimes it's just doing simple things like just changing your diet, getting rid of some of the gluten and some of the sugars and the processed foods and just saying, let me just eat healthier because that gives you more energy. And then do a little exercise. You say, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good. The endorphins are flowing and, you know, I got my little mojo back and my honey likes my body. So I'm feeling a little bit more, you know, likely to <laughs> to jump in, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's um. It reminds me of the uh, commercial I saw. It was a Dove commercial. Did you remember the one where there was it was doing the the beauty sketches? They had an FBI oh, yeah. trained forensic artist, and right. women were behind a curtain and describing the way that they saw themselves. And the guy was you know drawing the face based on that. And then they took another person described that woman's face, and the the forensic artist drew, drew that. And then the women who were the original women just, you know, had been describing their own face were able to see the two different drawings side by side, and it was just night and day. So they got a real, you know, reality check of the way that they actually see themselves. And it brought tears to my eyes because I, yeah. I'm guilty of the same thing, too. I mean, you look in the mirror and you see just nothing but, you know, different um, imperfections, and someone else could see you right. as the most beautiful beaming light walking through the room. So just about having that grace for yourself and, the own, you know, the negative self-talk. Like, would you say the same thing? to your friend that you say to yourself because I think it's right. all tied into, you know, how you view yourself and, and even translating into, you know, libido. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, yeah. you're definitely on the spot on that one because when we look at ourselves, we are the worst, our worst critics. And like you said, that Dove um, study that they did was really phenomenal. I, I also was amazingly taken by that because from our perspective we have our own kind of judgment our own vision and that may be really off of what's really true and so Mm -hmm. then i think we also i think i see some women who may be not in the best shape but they have they're so happy with their bodies and they do this kind of like sexuality like listen i'm here and i'm happy and i got a good body and i'm just you know out there right i just want to enjoy my life and i'm happy you know, it's and then you're like thing. seeing this woman who's size two saying, "Oh my God, I'm at, I'm I'm horribly fat, and I don't fit in these jeans perfectly, and you know, there's no way I'm gonna have sex." Right, and I notice that with patient visits, sometimes we'll have a, you know, someone who, like you said, like your patient today, has a, you know, great figure and has low body, you know, body image, and thinks that they need to lose all this weight. And then there'll be another patient who is very curvy or even, mm-hmm. you know, a bit overweight, and will never once mention they want to lose weight at all. They're coming in because they have brain fog or something else, you right. know, but they have, <laughs> but they have great body image. They feel sexy. They're, you know, happy. It's like it's so interesting. It is so interesting how mindset plays a huge role with that. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I love that you address that in your book, and um, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the hormone components of sex drive because yes, this is a very real thing, and um, you know, it it, it affects I, I think hugely with libido, and it changes over time, of course, as you get older, as your hormones start to drop, and um, you know, maybe from what started as just stress related. Uh, lower libido might turn into hormone-related, and maybe there's actual, you know, like vaginal dryness and things like that. Um, but kind of going through, I guess, like the decades that women go through, like earlier years versus later years, what are some of the, like, hormone dysfunctions that, that you've seen in your practice? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great topic, too, because I always like to clarify with women that libido is something that's dynamic. It's not like it's a constant, steady amount 
per mm-hmm. month, per decade, you know, in your lifetime. It's always fluctuating. So that they don't get that down on themselves that they're like, God, I'm just not that into it right now. Well, there could be a lot of reasons for that, and that's why I go into the different chapters as to the stress, body image, communication with your partner, medications, all that type of thing. But specifically to hormones, definitely during the menstrual cycle itself, you can have different amount of sex drive. That means mm-hmm. like if there's a 28-day cycle, let's say, that's the average, let's just say normal, quote, normal cycle, um, day one to seven will be the period, and day 14 will be when the estrogen pretty much peaks, right, about day 13, 14, and that's when the egg is ovulated. And then that's when you have the highest sex drive. And so when the egg is ovulated, that's when it can meet the sperm and potentially get pregnant. So kind of Mother Nature was working that out to say, let's give you the most sex drive when you're most fertile. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was, that's pretty interesting. And then day 21 is when the progesterone starts peaking, and that's when you're really not that much into it. You might be getting more irritable. You know, some mm-hmm. of the PMS symptoms might be coming in. And then if you don't get pregnant, that's when the lining of the uterus will slough off and the hormones then will decrease. And then each month will pretty much repeat itself. So just during the actual menstrual cycle itself, there's going to be times where you're going to have a higher libido than others. And that's just due to the hormones. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. And, and, yeah. And then and that, I loved writing this book. I mean, it really was like, God, I'm learning so much. And, and sometimes I'd be sitting at my computer at night writing and I'm thinking, is anyone going to read this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you always have that, well, maybe I'm just, like, fantasizing that people are going to read this book. But, um, you know, now that I've, it's been out and people would say, God, I love your book. It's really helped, helped me and my partner and my husband. It's like, okay, there's reasons I had those nights where I was typing away. <laughs> so the other time what's interesting with um, libido being a little less would be postpartum. So right after the baby's born, the estrogen levels really decline, and that can cause, like you said, vaginal dryness. There's a lot of prolactin being made, which is good for breast milk, but not good for vaginal tissue and for libido. And so a woman's going to really want to be a mother, a new mother is going to really be bonding with her newborn rather than cuddling with her husband. And most of the time they don't want to be touched by their husband because they're like they're just so tired and they're feeling like they're, you know, the breastfeeding is taking a lot of energy from them that they really don't, sex is not a real high priority. So I always, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was doing OB, this was years ago, I stopped doing it in 2006, but I'd always tell my postpartum patients, you know, you may not have much drive and that's totally normal. And just talk to your husband about it and just know that you can still like, you know, be physical, but it doesn't mean you have to have intercourse. I mean, you can be intimate, Mm -hmm. you can hug, you can cuddle, you can do things, but you may not want to necessarily be having sex and that's a normal hormonal issue that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. How long should they plan on that probably going on? Well, it really depends on how long they breastfeed. Because once, they, once right. you stop breastfeeding, you're going to get your cycles back to, quote, normal, and that's when you have the estrogen and progesterone fluctuations again. So yeah. pretty much while they're breastfeeding, it's going to be pretty low. But it doesn't mean you still can't have sex, but I always tell them to make sure they use lubricants because they're still going to have that vaginal dryness because the estrogen is going to be de- declined due to the breast milk production and the prolactin. So I just always say, you know, you can have sex, just know it's not going to be like it was before in the sense of lubrication, and just make sure you use some lubricants. Mm-hmm. Or coconut oil. Or go. coconut oil. Whatever your favorite <laughs> one is. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about when women get older? Because obviously things start to change at that point, right? right. Hormones are dropping. Right. And so... Now you're kind of going into the, maybe the 30s, 40s, 50s, and that's when you know perimenopause can kind of be coming in the equation, and that really means the like, six to eight years before menopause. And menopause is really about age 51. That's the average age in the United States, and that's when a woman's not have had a period for a whole year. 
So that means no menstrual cycle for a whole year. And, and prior to that, she can really be having lots of mood swings, irritability, hot flashes, night sweats. Uh, I, I mean, this is what I really specialize in. I love taking care of women who are having these issues. And we go over what are some of the things that might be causing that. And some of it is an estrogen decline. Sometimes it's a thyroid issue. Uh, sometimes it's relationship also that they're resentful with their husband or their kids are driving them crazy. Because it's kind of like this is when the teenagers are now in the household and she's going through some perimenopausal changes and it, it causes sometimes a lot of hormonal havoc in the household, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so that's always an interesting scenario also. And so I try to say, okay, let, let's make sure you're getting some sleep because if you're not sleeping, you get more irritable, you have more mood swings. So I really get into what are the main symptoms that are happening. I check some laboratory values and just try to say, okay, let's, let's get you to start feeling more balanced because this can be a really challenging time for a lot of women. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you find for most of these women who are, you know, like menopausal and they're having some real vaginal dryness, do you typically usually have to use bioidentical hormones with them? Yeah, it's interesting. It depends. If they're having, like if we get them to start having more sex just on their own, they mm-hmm. actually the amount of sex you have will bring more lubrication to the more blood flow to the vagina, and sometimes they don't need to use any vaginal estrogen. But I do mm-hmm. uh, recommend bioidentical hormone therapy if they're having symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats, things like that. If it's just vaginal dryness, um, sometimes we can just use a topical estrogen to that area. Mm-hmm. And now they also have another drug that's oral called Asthena that's for vaginal dryness and for pain with intercourse. So we have some different options, but I normally tend toward the vaginal estrogen therapy and topical, and most women really respond well to that. And some have been miserable for years, and they're like, no one told me about this. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, you feel so bad. (laughs) Yeah, vaginal estriol, it can be a lifesaver for many women with with vaginal dryness, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... One of the things, and I talked with uh, one of my assistants on this, and this is something that she was pretty excited about, is um, how to create boundaries in the area of sex. Like if you're a busy mom, you know, and maybe by the time you get home from work and you finally make dinner and, you know, and and your husband wants to get busy and you're tired and... (laughs) You know, it's like it's so common. I know so many of my listeners hearing this are like nodding, like, yeah, this is what I deal with. So, you know, boundaries like maybe having the kids go to bed earlier or finding things that you can do. I mean, what ideas do you have regarding that? Yeah, I also get many, many patients that that say, you know, I'm just tired and I just don't have the, you know, it's like another chore. I don't want to do another thing on my list. I've already done five, no, 20 things already on my list. And the last one I want to do is have sex with my husband. I mean, he didn't help with the dishes. He didn't clean up. I'm doing five million things, and it just does not really um, stimulate to be having more sexual desire. So what I say is, you know, if she's tired, just say say to him, you know what, I'm really tired. We If we want to have like a date night or a night where we get a babysitter, you know, also a little romance might be nice and say maybe you can make dinner reservations and actually make plans so that she doesn't have to do it. And, and some men just need to be told to do that. I mean, I know it sounds horrible, but, you know, if you just give them a plan, you say, you know, call and make a dinner reservation. Let's have a, like, 4 or 5 o'clock we'll meet, and then we'll go for a walk, and then we'll have some dinner. And then she, normally a woman's going to feel more romance and a little more likelihood to want to have sex because now a she's lot having more, more intimacy. 
right? She's yeah. actually getting connected with her partner. If if it's just like wham bam thank you man and it's like you know I've already been working all day and this is what I get it's like I'm not going to have much fun with that so I think it's really bringing the fun and the romance back and then having the partner really get involved and say okay how can I help with the dishes how can I help with putting the kids to bed can I make you a bath you know when you get home from work showing that kind of kindness and actually empathy and compassion for how much she's doing goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. And I think also her having the maturity, you know, to say that rather than just being pissed off, holding it inside and then just snapping at him or whatever. Right, because that's just going to cause resentment and then it turns into like a real negative thing. Because then if you're having sex when you don't want to and it's just for a chore or just get it over with because that's my my wifely duty, then I kind of say, well, you're not really having fun. And he's, I I mean, most men would want their partners to be involved, you know. Yeah. It's more than just a physical release, and so I think that talking about it outside the bedroom is really needed to say, you know, I get really tired, I have a long workload, if you could help with the kids or shopping or just little things that you can give them a list to do because if you write it down and make it very clear, most men are going to be able to follow that and say, okay, you know what, I can do that. You know, if you just let me know what you need, that's great. So sometimes it's just communication. Sure, presenting it as an opportunity, like I would love to have sex and I'm tired and this, is, this right. is the way that would really work for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, totally. It's all about communication. You have some other really cool things. You have different ideas of you know, ways to connect with your partner. Um, what are some other things you, you loved in here? Oh, gosh. Well, I thought the aphrodisiac chapter was just fun just because, you know, you can actually cook with your partner too and that can be kind of fun. You know, do yeah. do little things together, like even home projects can be fun because you have like a goal and you're both kind of working toward it, assuming you can do that together. So, I mean, some people, it just doesn't work, but others it really makes them feel like, God, they, they really have like a common goal and they're working toward it and they, you know, they're on the same wavelength, which really makes for connection. Uh, the other is doing like sports together or going for a walk, you know, really having time where it's quality with your partner, not, you can go to a movie, but that's just sitting next to each other. Like I want more communication. Yeah. Like go on the beach totally. and take a walk. Talk to each other. Not have dinner together. I mean, how many couples mm-hmm. don't eat together because they got the kids to eat earlier, and then he might come home later or she might come home later, and they're really not communicating. They're not talking during dinner. I mean, I'm amazed when I go to restaurants and I see the families out and the kids are on their phones. They're texting or whatever they're doing, and the yeah. mom and dad are really not talking. They're just kind of like looking like, oh my god, I'm so tired. <laughs> And it's just just really sad that you've lost that kind of connection. And that's where I say it doesn't have to be expensive. You can take a picnic, make it like a Friday afternoon and just put together some stuff and just go to the beach or go to the mountains or just, you know, a park and just take some time. And even that can be amazing quality time together. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. I was just thinking how, I don't even know the last time Kyle and I went to the, the movies because I think we just talk so freaking much with each other. Like, we right. just, like it's like we, you can't go to the movies because we can't talk, you know? <laughs> right. I, I mean, only sometimes the twice. movies are fun, but I, I kind of feel like that's not really a date because you're really not with each other in the sense of communicating and, and connecting and realizing what's that person's day been like and what's the last few weeks been. And, you know, just really getting into how how each of you are doing in life and what's how they feel about the relationship, how they feel about their work. And, and, that's, and that's really where I think both of us have in our practices, we really try to get to the root of what's going on rather than just say, oh, here's a pill, just take this and it'll take care of everything, you know. Oh, I think I think I just heard a medical doctor say getting to the root of the problem and, and getting to the root and not taking a pill. I was like opera. I know. Amazing. 
<laughs> Amen, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw something in your book that's so fascinating. You're talking about men's favorite smells and how this is this mm-hmm. is the craziest thing that you have a, a chart that talks about different smells, and next to it it says the percent increase in penile blood flow with this smell. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was, then that's in the aphrodisiac chapter because I talk about scents and pheromones and things like that. And one thing that's really interesting is when you look at the female with the vaginal blood flow versus the man with the penile blood flow, you're going to see a lot more blood flow in men than women. <laughs> so that's why when you think about drugs like Viagra, Cialis, et cetera, they really work on the blood flow for erection pretty much. You can try to give Viagra to women, and most times it won't do anything. Because ours is not a blood flow issue to the genital area. Ours is a brain issue. We have to be in the mood. We have to feel the desire in order for us to want to initiate sex or have sex. It's not normally just give me a Viagra pill and we can do that. So when you actually look at the percentage of increase in females versus males, it actually shows that too, that um, just the scent is not going to do that much for blood flow. She needs a little bit more than that, like... Anyway, I hope that makes sense. So yeah, for the for the male, um, what they found, and this is a, a man who the physician at the Taste Smell and Taste Research Center in Chicago. His name is Alan Hirsch, and he did he actually had subjects be uh, smelling different scents, and then they measured the penile blood flow. So you can imagine that who's taking those measurements. But anyway, <laughs> interesting um, scenario. And what they found with this group of men, this is 31 male volunteers, and they did 10 different smells. But the the pumpkin pie and lavender was the highest increase. And then they went to donuts like cinnamon and pumpkin pie donut. And they have different scents, but it's really interesting that, you know, for these men, at least it was pumpkin pie and lavender. And most men, when you actually give them the scent of pumpkin pie, they do like that because it's kind of like home. It's a mother. It's right. like you're, it's cooking. You're getting, you're getting fed. You know, it has that kind of homey kind of feel to it. And when you look at women... I thought this was really interesting. It was the licorice smell, so the good and plenty candy uh, combined with cucumber. Now, then I also made a little notation in the book saying, you know, you and your partner will have to figure out what scents you both like because there's some women who may not want to have the good and plenty near their bed or a man who wants a pumpkin spice candle there in the bedroom. So I think um, it, it was just really interesting to say, you know, let's talk about what do you, what kind of scents do you like? What kind of colors do you want in the bedroom? What, you know, make it some fun. Make it so it's not like it's totally like in a rut. You know, get a little yeah. spice in there, literally, and just kind of make it more what it used to be. Because some couples yeah. are like, oh, it used to be so fun, and now we don't really do much. And and then I say, well, what did you used to do when before? And then they mentioned some things. I said, well, great, you can do that. You know, it That's doesn't have so to be the same. And it's a 40%, 40% increase in penile blood flow from pumpkin pie and lavender. That's like almost an erection. <laughs> right, think, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like you can give this scent and they're going to think about sex and like, boom. You know, <laughs> it, wow. it's much more of an automatic response. Whereas with women, I think they might be, they might like that smell, but it's not going to be like, oh, my God, I want to have sex. You know, it's because yeah. it's, it's not the blood flow necessarily, and that's where it kind of ties into that whole clinical trial I was doing, and they were really looking at a, at a medication that helped with the, the serotonin, a, a neurotransmitter in the brain, that actually has shown to be increased uh, sex drive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it never came out though. So if the women are listening or saying, "Oh, what happened to that?" It, it, the FDA did not approve it, so uh, it may still come out, but it, it, right now it's not. But 
Hmm. Not if so it ever easy. does, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, we're still complicated. That's yeah. There's still oh, more yeah, to it absolutely. than that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think you know, I think like like you're saying with women, it's you know, it's about getting blood flow to the brain, but it's I think it's also blood flow like to their emotions. I oh, think yeah. women need to feel safe. They need to feel comfortable. They need to feel connected, and that's exactly why you know, taking a walk, taking you know, going on a picnic or whatever to connect and feel that safety. Then she's going to feel more turned on, and then you know, and then it's going to be you know, the man is going to get the kind of outcome he wants more with sex. It's not about having a certain position or you know, mm-hmm. hitting a certain angle or what. It's like I think for a lot of men, they they they, they tend to kind of forget that that's not really what it's about, and so. Um, for you men listening, if you want to be good at sex, you got to connect with your woman. That's yeah, that's a great, great, great <laughs> advice because women really, they, they want sex for intimacy. That's really what physical contact and, and sex is about, is to get more intimate and more connected with their partner. Men, it can be more of a physical thing. Not to say they're not going to be emotionally involved, but it tends to be more of a physical. And so if men can understand that a little bit, and that's where the foreplay comes into, like, um, you know, taking a little time. So she might take need a little more warm-up, let's say, literally. And a man might be, okay, boom, I'm ready to go. And she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> and that's where taking yeah. a walk, you know, talking. That, I, I think I wrote in my book that for, for women, foreplay is 24 hours before you have sex. It's really all the stuff that's happening that previous day. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's not just a millisecond. So yeah. if men could take that home, that would be good too. That's huge. I mean, if you say to your woman, you know, I'm going to take you on a on a date, you know, on Friday, and it's like Wednesday or Thursday, she's going to start getting ready already. That, exactly. You know, that much right. in advance because she's thinking about it, you know, or even sending a text like in the morning for something for the evening. I mean, she yeah. doesn't, yeah, totally. Totally, and then she totally. can be thinking, oh, what am I going to wear? Oh, my gosh, this is fun. And you can even uh-huh. make a mystery, like, I'm going to take you out, and I'm not going to let you know where. It's going to be an adventure. And then she's going to be like, oh, my God, he actually made a plan. You know, that right. she, didn't have to, she didn't have to take care of it, you know. <laughs> oh, what a concept. Man. And also, too, on the flip side, this is something that Dr. Larson and I talked about. He's the other doctor in our practice. He's mm-hmm. awesome. And we were talking about, you know, the spontaneity of sex. I think that... As women get, as, I mean, men and women, as they're, let's say they have young kids and he does have young kids and, you know, you're you're busy. Sometimes you have to just roll with the spontaneity, spontaneity mm-hmm. of it as well. I think sometimes, you know, women especially in particular might feel like, oh, no, like I have morning breath or I, I, I don't smell right. right right now or right. whatever. It's like he doesn't freaking <laughs> care, please. He doesn't care. He probably likes it. So, you know, just let that go. You don't have to, you know, yeah. be squeaky clean every single time. It so, doesn't have to be perfect um, with all the candles lit and the lights down low and you've got your negligee. Exactly. I right. mean, I think it'd just be spontaneous and just say, sometimes just screw it. Just have some fun, you know. <laughs> and and the kids, oh, well, okay, they're going to they're gonna be okay, you know. Yeah. The, the, you know, you can have them settled somewhere or the neighbors can have them. Or, you know, there's different ways to get it so that the, the woman can feel secure because she wants to feel that she's safe and that the kids are safe too, obviously. Right, but then you also course. have to kind of say, okay, you know, let me have a little bit of fun here. Right. And I think the power of the staycation is huge. You know, taking a, a vacation where you literally do nothing, and even if you're staying at home, having mm-hmm. someone watch the kids for the weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, one of the questions I ask with, with almost all my patients is, when's your next vacation? You know, when do you have some time to do nothing? And a lot of times they have nothing planned at, at any right. time in the future. And I think you need to, especially if you're in a job where you don't really love it, you have to have some mm-hmm. sort of oasis that you're looking at in the distance that you can kind of plan for and know that you have a rest break coming up. 
um, I think it's it's so important for hormones to have that, you know, have that oh, break. You're not yeah, anticipation, that like, fight. right, the, mm-hmm. the anticipation is, is huge. And I think that you had mentioned, like, what suggestions do we have for the men to kind of, and I think planning, like, a weekend trip to go, it could, it could be just staying in San Diego or where they live, you know. It could be just getting a sitter, like you said, for the kids, so the kids are away. Um, it could be one night at, at a different hotel or something. But it's really planning something so that she can have time alone and doesn't have to be taking responsibility for all the things that's on her list. That she can, yeah. like, get away, even though it may not be you're traveling to Europe, but you're getting away from that present environment that's causing you stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You have a whole um, a whole chapter on the stress-libido connection and, and talking about, you know, like, you know, the whole, like, the sex and the saber-toothed tires, talking about the fight-or-flight response and how it kills libido. And we've talked about that a bit on the show. And you do have um, one section that says, can stress ever be good for you? So I'd love to hear, you know, your, your perspective on that. What, what about maybe good stress? And how would someone know the difference? Is this a good yeah. stress or is this something I need to cut out of my life? Yeah. Um, when they look at, like, performance studies, like, exact, like performance and stress, there's actually a certain amount of stress that actually can cause a peak like it can allow for peak performance. And then after that, too much stress is going to cause worsening in your performance. And that could be like a physical performance, like running. It could be a test. It could be diff- like um, different things. But basically, too much stress is going to be a problem. Now, if you have a, like a certain amount of stress, like sometimes before, let's say, um, I do a talk or something, I'm not really stressed, but I'm like a little anxious. But that an- anxiety can be good just because it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is fun. I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be talking to people. And it can actually help your performance. But if someone gets so worried about it that they're going to think, oh, my God, um, I can't talk in front of people. I'm going I'm to mess up. I'm going to make a fool of myself. That's when it becomes destructive. And with regard to the saber-toothed tiger, I kind of talk about really chronic stress. Like people who are just stressed day in, day out, and there is no relief. And then that's what causes a lot of the health conditions that we see, both in our practices, would be diabetes, inflammation, heart disease. Um, it, it's, it's all connected. So having the mind feel stressed then causes a lot of cortisol production, and that can lead to, like I mentioned, diabetes and other things. So it definitely connection to libido because if a woman's stressed, she's going to say, I don't have time for sex. I don't even have time to you know, eat, <laughs> much less sleep. Right, and yeah. so they're in that kind of flight or fight because they're just always trying to survive, rather than how can I thrive? How can I actually have a balance here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about making a, a list of all the stressful things in your life, like everything you can think of, and prioritizing. You know, what is it that maybe actually brings you joy, even right. though it is stressful? Maybe it actually does even charge your batteries, even though it is a stress. And then, what are other things that you're doing out of obligation or guilt, as mm-hmm. so many of us do? We want to be a people pleaser and doing everything and making everyone happy. But what are you doing, li- literally, out of obligation? Right. Right. I had a patient today who said, you know, I'm just volunteering too much at my children's school. I'm just I'm just too overloaded. And I said, well, then let's just cut that out. Then let's take this out. In the next few weeks, we're going to cut X, Y, Z out of that I'm volunteering. Because, you know, other people can volunteer, and some women think they have to be the Wonder Woman. They have to be able to be the head of the PTA, and they have to be the nymphomaniac, and they have to have an amazing body, and they have to, you know, and you're just thinking, <laughs> no, that's just not reality. <laughs> And then, and then your thing about fun is is absolutely true. I actually do that wheel of life that you probably have seen, and I, I actually that. say, what what is fun in your life? And they might rate it as like a two, with zero being no fun and ten being like amazingly joyous fun life. And they rate it like a two, and I said, well, what do you do for fun? They said, I don't know. I haven't really had fun. 
and you're thinking, okay, let's go back and see what, what is fun, like what would be fun for you? And it's sometimes a, a really funny question because people will look at me and say, seriously? And I say, yes, seriously. <laughs> because uh-huh. this is important. This is really important. It could be that you want to paint. It could be that you want to do whatever it is, but something that's fun for you. And they're like, God, the concept of fun just hasn't really been in my vocabulary for a while. Mm-hmm. Refreshing. Mm-hmm. What, what if that's the only medicine you prescribe? <laughs> you oh, it'd be huge. I mean, huge. I mean, having more laughter, levity. I mean, I have to tell myself sometimes just to chill because I can get so intense. And I'm like, oh, just same. breathe. Just breathe. Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> All's fine. <laughs> just breathe. It's okay. There's been um, there's been days lately where I'm like, why do I feel so good right now? I'm like, oh, because I've said no to a lot of things. I'm not doing a lot of things that I used to do that I would pressure myself and feel like I had to do a whole lot. And I just finally had time to just breathe and just flow. And, you know, other times I've gotten down on myself like, oh, my website isn't done for the clinic or things like that. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. We're busy, very busy. So I'm not going to stress it right now. I'm going to continue working on getting that thing done. And it's going to be done, and it's okay. I'm, 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 I'm feeling really good, and I'm, we're helping people. You know, it's like I'm not going to try to be superwoman because – um, it's just it it's not worth it to me to be doing right. that. I'm I'm going to sleep at a at a healthy hour now. I'm waking up without my alarm clock. I mean it's amazing these things are actually happening for me. It's it's awesome. And I was driving to work today like why do I feel so good? Cuz I've said no to a lot of things. So, I mean, and I I've, I've gotten over feeling bad about it. Like oh, I'm going to hurt that person's feelings. I'm like no, that's okay. If I do that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think what you bring up is is, is a huge point because I think women that feel like they have to be caretakers, they have to take care of everybody, and they they put themselves at the bottom of the list, even if they're on the list, let's say. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they feel like they've got to do this, they've got to do that, and there's guilt associated. And that's, you know, a lot of, I think in our practices, we talk to our patients and say, you know, you don't have to do all these things. It's fine that you don't do these things. We want you to actually have time to sleep and get a good night rest and be able to wake up yeah. with an alarm clock and breathe when you're driving. And, and I mean, that's, that's ultimate health, not running around with your head cut off, which yeah. unfortunately I think a lot of us are on autopilot, and we don't even stop to take a look at what we're doing. And then we wonder mm-hmm. why we get in car accidents or we have like a certain illness that pops up. These are wake-up calls, but if you're not looking at them, listening to those wake-up calls, it's going to get louder and louder. Mm-hmm. You run a busy clinic. You know, you're seeing patients a lot. What do you do to charge your batteries? What do you do to keep balance? <laughs> I love to sleep. Uh, I did babies for so many years that to sleep in is like a true joy for me. I know it sounds maybe uh-huh. crazy, but it's like to have a morning, like on a weekend where I don't have to get up for a certain thing, it's like, oh, my God, this is so nice. And yeah. I really love um, tennis. I play a lot of tennis, and that's that's fun for me, and I do drills just with um like a coach one to two times a week, and I just hit the ball, and it doesn't matter if it goes in or out, literally. I just mm. want to hit the ball. <laughs> mm. And and it's funny because he'll say, well, you liked it, though. Because I said, yeah, I, I liked it because even when it went out, I didn't care. I hit it full on the strings, and I just love the feel of the ball. And I'm like, you know, if I'm just doing those drills, it doesn't really matter if it goes in or out. Now, when I play league, that's a little different, but I really do it as therapy. I mean, to me, that's therapy. Yeah. Amen. Totally. Yeah, and then it helps you be a better doctor for your patients. 
Oh, yeah, because my, my staff will say, okay, have you not been gone to tennis? Have you not gone to your massage? Because, you know, they won't, they won't say it that bluntly, but, you know, <laughs> they notice. maybe give a little hint that, you know, maybe you need a little break. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need some tennis, Doc. Uh, <laughs> let me clear out the afternoon go hit some balls. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, any other favorite things from your book you want to chat about? There's so much. There's so many good things. There's so much in it. I know, and then I think about it, I'm like, God, this actually does have quite a bit of good information in it. You know, I mean, I love <laughs> writing it. I really love writing it. I, I think it's really to have, for women, I also, the goal was to say, it's okay if you don't have a high drive. There's going to be times where it's going to be higher than others. And so don't get down on yourself. You're like, oh, my God, I just feel like I'm not giving my husband what he wants, and da, da, da. It's like, you know, that's when you talk to your, your practitioner and your your naturopath or your physician and say, you know, these are things going on in my life and, and what are some suggestions? And the patient of mine said today, said, God, I feel like I'm in therapy because you're just, you're just covering all these things. And I said, well, that's what we do. I mean, as, as healers, we have to get, like I said, the root of the problem. And a lot of it's just talking about what's happening in your life. And, and that's what's really needed and to say it's okay if there's times where you're not that into it. And then we can say, is there something we can do to make it better? Do you want to make it better? And, like, is it self-esteem? Is it body image? Is it the relationship? You know, there's so many different factors that it's okay and then just take a breath and we can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Give yourself some grace. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have really loved all of this content. I think it's really so helpful and stuff that I think a lot of times women maybe don't talk about. It's a little hush-hush and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's stuff we all deal with. So it's, it's important that we, that we have that discussion. Um, where can listeners learn more about you and where can they find you for maybe your practice? Sure. It's um, the easiest is probably my website. So that's www.drdiana.com. H-O-P-P-E dot com. So it's drdianahoppy.com, and that my website has blogs I write weekly, and like the events that we're having together, um, I have that on the website, and also just like tidbits of information that's helpful for women. So it's really about having each woman live the best, fullest life that she can. And so that's how mm-hmm. the most information they can get on my website, and then the book they can order on my website, or they can go to Amazon. And it's the Healthy Sex Drive, Healthy You. And they can order it that way. And also it's an e-book too. Amen, girl. Thank you so Amen. much for being my guest. It's been so fun. Looking forward to our event. So, um, again, thanks again for being on the show. And um, I'll talk to you real soon. Perfect. No, I, we could keep talking thanks. forever. I know, I know. We totally could all night. But, you know, there's, yeah. there's busy moms listening, right? They need to go have the sex. Busy moms need to get some sleep. Exactly. <laughs> and sleep, right. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Doc. Okay. Thanks, Dr. Okay. Lewis. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. All right, you guys, that's, that's been our show. Thanks for listening. Super fun topic. And, um, yeah, if you guys are local in the San Diego area, we'd love to see you for our event. That's on May 15th at 4.30 to 8. Uh, learn more at drdianahoppy.com. You can also go to vibrantly-u.com and register for that. We'd love to see you. I'd love to see you guys in person. And mark your calendars. Next week's show, we got Steve and Jordan on talking about SED lifestyle, how to heal your gut with nutrition and natural medicine, and Have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in store.
stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.